Hello everybody and welcome to another episode and a new series of What to Watch on Netflix. My name is Jed Shepard and I am your host uh, for the evening. Uh, as always, what happens on this podcast is myself and a guest recommend you a bunch of films that you can watch on particular streaming platforms all around the internet. Just because it has Netflix in the name of this particular podcast doesn't mean it's just on Netflix. My guest this week is the lovely Rhea Fend. Hi Jed. How are you, Ria? I'm good. I'm I'm caffeinated and I'm northern. How are you? <laughs> That's good. That is a bizarre way to talk about yourself. Um, but yeah, all is all is well. Um, I've just made you sit through one of my choices just now. Um, hopefully, you don't hate me too much. Um, but yeah, we'll get we'll talk about a little bit about you, Ria. So, what do you do, and why is your name Ria Fend? <laughs> so, um, my my name Ria Fend is my pseudonym for my modeling so i'm an alternative model actress and i am also co-host on the lament configuration podcast which is a which horror I love podcast. yeah it's a great podcast which is a horror podcast and we're working our way through um band films from the 70s and 80s the video nasties if mm. anybody likes those yeah it's great it's one of those i mean i try to find horror podcasts out there that don't annoy me to to hell and <laughs> The Lament Configuration is probably one of the few that I can actually listen to and don't feel like I'm being, like, you know, spoken down to. Yeah, patronised. Yeah, you get a lot of these horror film podcasts, a lot of horror fans feel like they um, are the kind of be-all and end-all of horror and if anyone doesn't like their obscure horror film, then then they're the worst. But um, mm -hmm. you guys talk about obscure horror films, but not in a kind of patronising way, in a more kind of like inviting way, because you want people to watch these films, obviously. Yeah, I mean, not necessarily all of them, but some of them, some of them may consume your time unnecessarily. And what's it like going through all the video nasties? Because obviously they're not like incredibly good watching some of them. Some of them are just totally bad, just bad movies. <laughs> There's a lot of scope for a fun review with a bad movie, which is what we found. Yeah. So if the the movie itself doesn't doesn't lend itself yeah. to an uh, amazing material to talk about then you have to make it awesome <laughs> yeah well you, you kind of did like some of these um kind of more obscure video nasties i've never even heard of i thought i'd watch most of them but some of them <laughs> i'll definitely like try and try and watch what kind of got you into horror um i <laughs> i accidentally watched child's play when i was five years old and it kind of went from there <laughs> nice i mean it's it is kind of a, a warped film and um yeah, I could kind of get anyone into horror watching watching Charles play. Uh, was that your first foray in, in, into horror then? Yeah, and then from there I watched um, the original It when I was nine, which I believe was my my pick for a sleepover for my ninth birthday. Amazing. So I've pretty much always been into horror. And you also do um, graphic design? I do, I do graphic design as well. Yeah. So I, I, modeling, graphic design and getting into acting. And tell us about your modeling kind of um <laughs> well you can you can find me on facebook instagram and twitter yeah as ria fend so that's f-e-n-d and i do alternative pinup and vintage modeling so it is quite niche yeah but like it's quite um in in line with all the other all the other interests because you do kind of comic book things with your pinup stuff and horror things with you with your pinup photos and it's like very interesting i mean obviously you get a lot of um attention on these social networks a lot of people creeping on you um so it is like a like a 24-hour horror film like living the re lifestyle 
Yeah, it's inspiring me to write some horror films. So yeah. <laughs> it's working we'll out into well. <laughs> a bit uh, but that's good. And um, when the first time I met you, which wasn't was it wasn't too long. It was this year, right? And actually. Mm-hmm. Um, I saw that you went to my gig, my Star Wars gig last year. Yes, and kind of hashtag Cantina. Cantina, that's right. Um, but then I actually only met you at a Troma event in February. February right? of this year, yes. That's right. And you were um, a Tromex. I was a Tromex. We do a lot of Troma stuff on this podcast. And hopefully <laughs> a lot of people go to watch uh, Troma films when they're out um, in the cinema. And there's another Troma event later on this month um, mm-hmm. at the Prince Charles Cinema in Leicester Square. And you'll be there behind the merch stand? I will be. I will be trometting again with Uncle Lloydy. <laughs> yeah, Lloyd Kathman, who's been on this particular podcast, talking about Big Pharma and all the other stuff he talks about. Yeah. <laughs> but he's always uh, a, a great guy. Um, yeah, and we also went to the Hellraiser house together. We did, yes. I just said to you, um, do you want to go to the Hellraiser house? And what we did is I called up the estate agent and pretended like I wanted to buy it or rent it. And so this estate agent came out and showed us around the Hellraiser house, not knowing anything about Hellraiser or the fact that we were big Hellraiser fans. So it was it was a great experience. Which is linked to a lot of things that um, I do because the podcast is named after the puzzle box from Hellraiser. And yeah. all of the graphics that I created for our podcast are all Hellraiser themed and um, I'm a pretty diehard Hellraiser fan. So. Yeah, so it's great to actually go to the house, which is in Cricklewood in mm-hmm. uh, North London, if anyone wants to go. Just say Jed and Rhea sent you. I'm sure the estate agent <laughs> will love that. Um, yeah. Sudden influx of uh, flat viewings in Cricklewood. But the guy no was, idea why. The guy that showed us around got fired or like he left. <laughs> he sent me this really depressing text saying, I no longer work there, Jed. Please speak to someone else um <laughs> which was which was which was nice Poor um, guy. <laughs> but yes um, and guys um you probably wonder where the this podcast has been for the last couple of months um not appearing on your phones um been doing stuff like films and stuff we've been um not with Rhea, but um i've been filming with rob savage who was also a previous guest filming our next thing um following up uh, dawn of the death um and it's something for fox which has been shown on halloween um during a particular program, you can probably guess if you look at the Halloween schedule for Fox, what's on in the night time. Um, we are smack bang in the middle of that program with our new short called Salt. And it is featuring Alice Lowe, um, who you might know from Prevenge, which is a previous pick, um, and uh, Garth Marenghi's Dark Place and other amazing things. And also um, a kid out of Rogue One, uh, Bo Gadsden, who plays young Jin Erso. She plays Alice Lowe's daughter in it. So it's going to be pretty stellar. It's going to be pretty big. And I've seen a preview of it, um, and which I wrote. And um, it's pretty darn amazing. Um, but I'll tell you more about that nearer to the time because I don't want you to kind of get too excited before we even started <laughs> this show. Um, but let's get on to format. Mm-hmm. Um, so, um, as you know, Ria, we go one by one, um, and you can chip in as, as much as you want. You can kind of question me on things, um, and I can question you on stuff. Um, but essentially, our, it's our job to recommend these shows, uh, documentaries, or films um, to the listening public um, and tell them kind of where they can view it if they want to. 
Um, but it has to kind of be on a streaming platform that's easily available. Um, so Netflix, Amazon, um, YouTube, anything like that. Um, because we want them to watch it and let us know what they think about it. So we'll get straight on. My first pick today of what to watch on Netflix is the 2016 British drama Lady Macbeth. Now, when I first heard about this film coming out, I thought, oh, I can't bother with another Shakespeare thing. This is going to be boring. But little did I know, it's not based on um, Macbeth, the Shakespeare play. Am, am I even allowed to say Macbeth? It's bad luck, right? I have to say the <laughs> Scottish play. It's not based oh. on the Scottish play, um, especially because this is set, I think it's set in Newcastle because everyone's got Geordie accent in it. Um, <laughs> but it's set in the 19th century and it's based on a book called Lady Macbeth of the Mitsensk District by Nikolai Leskov um, and this film is dark this might as well be a horror film it's not a horror film um, exactly but it might as well be um, and it is starring a, a kind of like a newcomer and her name is Florence Pugh I don't think she's been in much before but I know she's kind of uh, leap to the top of a lot of people's lists of um, things uh, that are coming out shortly. Um, and it is essentially about this lady who was sold to a relatively rich family um, in the 19th century up north. And um, she, she's not really into it. And he, her husband, isn't really into it too much either, even though she's like this pretty attractive young lady. He is a bit weird when it comes to like marital relations um and doesn't really get involved in that kind of stuff so the whole film kind of kicks off when he goes away for some mysterious reason uh, and she's left to her own devices in this like, big house with servants um, um, and is it shakespearean i mean what era no. is it set in oh it's set in like the 19th century so if it was shakespearean it'd be kind of set in the 16th 17th century mm -hmm. so it's way after that but i think it's i mean it is called lady macbeth because it's about a murderous young woman um who's kind of in within a rich family um and it's kind of about how she turns from this kind of like innocent naive or so you think lady into a murderous kind of evil mega bitch um <laughs> am i allowed to call a woman a bitch on a podcast yeah i think if you hear what she does <laughs> it, you, i think it's justified if it's <laughs> the lady macbeth that i expect it to be then yes yeah i mean it, are there like sleepwalking scenes in it because that's what happens in yeah macbeth. no not exactly um but there are scenes where she, her hands are bloodied Bloody. and she she can't really wash it off etc but so she kind of falls in with this um one of the servants who is a bit rough and ready and how he, she kind of comes across him for the first time is he's tied up one of the other female servants in a barn and is doing stuff to her and she's like what are you doing and he's like oh i'm just weighing a, a sow and just like slaps this like other servant and she's like oh well my husband doesn't pay you to do this uh, but he, she's quite into it because um, a bit like Belle de Jure, which we saw the other day, she's yeah. been having kind of like fantasies of like having other guys, basically. So um, she gets, so she, she goes, she takes a servant away, the other servant lady, and kind of like fixes her up. And so like, who's that? Who's that guy? Is he new? And she's like, yeah, he's new. And he's a, he's a right nasty piece of work. But she's into that Lady Macbeth. Uh, actually, her name's not Lady Macbeth in it. Um, it's uh, Catherine or Katerina, and uh, she basically gets involved while her husband's away with this particular servant, and it 
she tries to keep it on the down low at first, but like because her husband's away longer and longer and longer, she doesn't really care anymore. The servants see him coming and going. Problem is, like it becomes like the talk of the town, and it eventually gets back to her husband. Of course, it does. Yeah, it does. <laughs> so he comes back, and all hell breaks loose, like literally. Um, and across this entire film, numerous people get murdered who stand in her way. Um, and it's not it's it's not like the kind of thing you you normally associate with a kind of a stately home type thing because this isn't really um, Downton Abbey or anything like that. This is a lot more brutal. Though there are murders in Downton Abbey, but this one is a lot more brutal. And I'm just going to give you the first murder just because it kind of sets the tone of the rest of it. She, her husband's dad comes to visit, and he's he's a nicey piece of work as well. Hmm. And she calmly uh, makes him a cup of tea, sits down, and he's going off at her. And then she and she poisons his tea. He goes off into into the bathroom, and he, she puts up a chair against the door so he can't get out. And um, you can hear him screaming to get out, banging on the door. Um, and she calmly pours a cup of tea um, that's not poisoned for her, her servant girl. And they sit down and have a cup of tea together and kind of like have a chat while he's like dying in the background. And that's just the first murder. Um, <laughs> Oh, but it gets darker and darker and darker. And I didn't know this film was, was about this whatsoever. I just stuck it on. And um, So it does it contain gore? Because you know that. I like I like dark films. I like a bit of gore myself. There's a little bit of gore, yeah. There's a little bit of gore. Um, but as much gore as you can get when your weapons aren't chainsaws. They're more like like fire pokers and things like that. Um, but yeah, I mean, this this film was made on a, on a real budget. It was made for like half a million quid. Um, and made multiple times more than that because it it, it performed well. It won a bunch of awards. Um, it, it actually premiered at the Toronto Film Festival, which has just finished. Um, but last year, 2016, did really well. Um, and full disclosure, the people who produced um, Lady Macbeth are, are producing um, Dawn of the Death, the, the feature, as their next film. So it's really cool. So it's about time I went to see it. Because like the first time I tried to see it in the cinema... Um, that we had food beforehand and it was taking so long we missed it so we had to go watch um, Beauty and the Beast instead <laughs> which was equally as good and it was also set in a stately home of a, of a, of a monster um, so there are similarities I heard good things so I'm gonna have to check this out I haven't seen it myself yet yeah oh I, I thoroughly recommend it but don't watch this maybe if you want to cheer yourself up this is a real kind of like journey into darkness and you don't quite understand if she was kind of evil to start with or if it was the fact her husband was away and um she's not treated with very much respect by him that she turns into the kind of monster but i have a feeling that she was a monster to start with and it was mm. she just didn't have the right things happen for her to to kind of murder people until he left mm, like, um, like you say about Belle de Jour bored housewife kind yeah, of film but much house, darker bored housewives yeah <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah this was directed by a guy called William Oldroyd I'm not too sure what he's done before um, by, based on the screenplay by Alice Burge but it was obviously based on the book before that um, and it's out now and you can watch that on Amazon so if you have an Amazon account you've got um, Amazon Prime for free um, an Amazon Prime Instant it is there available and I would thoroughly recommend it actually mm-hmm. 
but yeah that's my first choice of what to watch on netflix ria what is your first choice good choice um my first choice is something that i've just noticed is now on netflix yeah and it was um we did like a an annual review last year on the Menk configuration which was our first ever episode yeah. and we had to do our top three picks for horror for the year okay. um so my top film of 2016 was bone tomahawk ah, which okay. is an absolutely epic film but you have to bear with it because it is a slow burn yeah i mean i remember watching this um and actually i think i fell asleep because i don't really remember <laughs> too much about it i do need to revisit it again but why should I, yeah, I? I don't blame you. I mean, it's 132 minutes long. That's too long. It's very long. And most of the best parts of the film happen 90 minutes plus. Oh so God. you're going you're gonna to have to, <laughs> yeah, you're gonna have to hang in there, basically. Um, directed by S. Craig Zahler. I'm not sure what he's done before, but it's yeah. Kurt Russell, Patrick Wilson, David Arquette film. Um, and it's amazing. I mean, it's, it's a new slant on a cannibal movie basically it's a western um but imagine if you had the 70s exploitation cannibal movie style kind of placed into into a western yeah i'm into that Uh, it's very primitive it's got these really eerie cannibal tribesmen that are like kind of caked in in white mud with this eerie howling going on throughout the film (laughs) um but there's some real character building going on up until the action begins and then it's absolutely brutal and you, you need to find out why this is called bone tomahawk <laughs> yeah I, I mean i can kind of guess i don't rem- i don't really remember the ending or kind of what happens but um it kind it's of... it's epic i mean it's quite tarantino-esque this film i think yeah um and there are some interesting but rambling monologues mm-hmm but like a tarantino film yeah but it definitely has character it's it's different and um like i say the the cannibal tribe is like absolutely brutal do you see (laughs) is it quite gory i can't remember yes it's very gory i was so shocked and like i'm not really easily shocked by horror films i watch a lot of horror right isn't it (laughs) yeah I mean, I'd watch Kurt Russell open a bag of crisps. It's, I think he's amazing. He's really engaging. Um, though hypocritically, I think I did fall asleep during most of this film. So um, I will watch it again. Yeah. Um, so what hap- what's happening is um, the cannibal tribesmen that they call troglodytes, mm-hmm. um, they need to, they disturb them because there's a drifter that comes into their sort of... Um, village yeah and it turns out later on this isn't really a spoiler because it's like part of the main plot yeah. but it turns out that he had previously murdered 116 indians mm-hmm. and desecrated a burial ground Sounds like um yeah <laughs> so they don't understand why these cannibal tribesmen are um like kind of after them or you know obviously seriously um not happy yeah. um, <laughs> but it turns out that that's what this this suspicious guy who like sort of came into their group that's what he's done previously okay um so the cannibal tribe the troglodyte should i say they take one of the guy's um wives and they take a prisoner so then they have to go and retrieve her so the whole thing is like this sort of epic journey and then as they get closer they do start to have more encounters with the troglodytes and that's when it gets really exciting if if, if a group of of cannibals are stolen your wife she's gone 
Why are you even making that journey? Just she's gone. Unless it's just to get revenge and just to kill them all. Um, very dedicated husband. <laughs> He's oh, very right. determined. I would just draw a line under it and start again. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Don't mess with cannibals. Um. And they're seriously brutal. And there's like with cannibal tribes, how there's like one head of the tribe who's like the most intimidating, intimidating looking and intimidating just in what he does. There's one that's like really brutal, and it's it's awesome. What's, what's like um, cow? There was another cowboy cannibal film i watched recently um oh it's got that model in it who starring i can't remember it'll come to me we'll do it on another uh, show mm. um so is it something that you would recommend to someone who's a fan of horror or would you recommend it to someone in general i think this would be difficult to stomach if you can't watch gore um because it does get really brutal at the end but i would say like if you are into your western films and you want something different and if you like horror um, and you want to see something different, then this is seriously underrated. Like a lot of yeah, people that I've asked about this film say, oh, I've heard of it, but I've not seen it. Like, I don't really know what the premise is. And like I say, if you made the mistake of switching it off very early on, you would never get to like the best parts. Um, <laughs> it really wakes you up at the end if, you, <laughs> if you're falling asleep like you. Yeah, unfortunately, I can't remember the end, so I must have been in a deep sleep it's it's just so awesome it's like seriously like at the end i was like oh whoa okay really need to pay attention now okay well i i definitely will and everyone else should too uh where can people find bone tomahawk it's currently on netflix which i was kind of surprised about but it is just you know the caliber of this film is awesome so definitely highly recommend this nice well watch it on netflix um okay thanks Ria, for your second choice of what to watch on netflix <laughs> so that was your first choice of what to watch on netflix i'm getting confused with me and i'm about to choose my second choice of what to watch on netflix and that is a film um, an Audrey Hepburn film and now I know what you're thinking Audrey Hepburn Judd what are you doing no she's great <laughs> I love Audrey Hepburn <laughs> exactly. she is great and people who kind of like poo poo her films away because they think they're just like kitschy rubbish they're wrong they're so good oh they're classic yeah. and she's stunning she really is so uh, this isn't your normal Audrey Hepburn film this is I would say one of the first home invasion movies ever made this was made this is a film called Wait Until Dark, and it's from 1967. And it is basically an Audrey Hepburn home invasion movie. And if that doesn't get you interested in this film, then your heart is dead. <laughs> um, so Wait Until Dark, it's, it's, it's one of those psychological kind of thrills. So you don't see much gore or anything like that, but there are dead bodies. Um, and the other great thing about this is Audrey Hepburn is blind in it. So um, you've got the kind of... Uh, issue of someone breaking into your house but you also have the issue of you're blind um so what can you do to put one up on on um people who can who are seeing and get into your house um well basically you turn off the lights and then <laughs> and then you are at the advantage and they use this exact same trick and don't breathe yeah i was gonna say yeah. that sounds very familiar yeah so um it's the same premise they must have been inspired by oh, that don't breathe uh, which made like 500 million dollars is a rip-off of Wait Until Dark. Oh, and that, uh, it's it really crazy is. that I'd never heard of this Hepburn film because I love yeah. Audrey Hepburn. No, see, no, nobody really talks about Wait Until Dark. It's because like, it's outside of her normal kind of oeuvre. Um, mm -hmm. So basically she is a, a wife, like a young wife, and um, she is married uh, to, to this guy. 
who kind of goes off. This seems to be a theme in the films that I've chosen today. <laughs> he goes <laughs> off for a while. But um, unfortunately, there are a group of criminals who want to get into our house to grab um, a doll that's full of heroin that uh, was given. <laughs> uh, basically, her, her husband brought this doll back. I if I can remember correctly, he wasn't aware that it had heroin in it. But that's not really the story. real story is she has has this in her house and people want to get into her house to get this heroin doll um also add to that there's a little girl from upstairs that keeps coming into her house willy-nilly of her own accord um who who basically is a bit annoying and who threatens to kind of disrail everything that um audrey hepburn tries to do anyway she's in this like apartment um which is kind of kind of your classic 60s apartment a bit like again like belle de jour mm-hmm. um it's uh, the same made in the same year actually oh, 67 did you say yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah yeah this is very much like I that checked. um i mean but this was directed by terence young um and she is she plays a kind of um what was the word a kind of a, a naive young girl a bit again a bit like lady macbeth very very well she doesn't really understand the kind of terrors in the world and she she's quite inviting to anyone that comes into her house um so she has various different people knock on her door pretending to be policemen etc um but obviously they're coming into her house to try and find something um and the the doll so the whole film you're you're just petrified that they're going to do something to her because you can see the stuff that they're doing to her house, like searching around, um, but she can't and there's no way for you to tell her. So whereas um, a bit like It Follows, really, where the people on screen, they can't uh, see someone coming towards them, but you as the viewer can see something in the background slowly coming into focus. And it's a little Mm -hmm. bit like that. Um, Is there a lot of suspense in this film then? It's really suspenseful, yeah. But I mean, I guess... The art of suspense was perfected by um, possibly Hitchcock. And this isn't on a Hitchcockian level. This isn't, maybe this isn't why, isn't why you hear about this film a lot. Um, it, it's kind of tone is a little bit weird. Sometimes it's very, very light and sometimes it's like dark as hell. Um, but some of the some of the, the main interesting scenes in this, which, which I love, which I'm sure um, people have used um, after this, is um, the man who's pretending to be a policeman who's really um a criminal trying to get into a house he pretends that he's going to um go and find her husband um and she and he gives her a phone number to call if um if she finds the doll in her house but really the phone is not like his his work phone in the police station it's a phone outside um so she um Audrey Hepburn and his little girl they uh, form this plan that um the little girl upstairs will look through the window and when she sees uh the man in question um answering the phone outside to um to do two rings on her phone basically this is a big setup and she finds out that this man really isn't um a policeman by this elaborate kind of phone thing she has with this girl actually i'm spoiling it a little bit which i really shouldn't but um (laughs) it's elaborate and it's great and it's very very clever um, and apparently this whole thing, because it's mostly set in her apartment, was a stage show. So they kind of replicate the stage show on a little bit of a grander scale uh, through an Audrey Hepburn. Um, and you'd think that this would have been a massive film. But yeah. like, I only ever see this, um, maybe some kind of journalists refer to this when they're talking about home invasion movies. I'm very um, surprised that I haven't heard more about this. Oh, it's, it's just great. And like Hepburn's performance in this, it isn't like her normal kind of... Um, 
kind of uh, ditzy kind of girl who gets taught by a guy that how to do things really um this is she's she become she starts off as a victim and then becomes so strong and she does a home alone she she sets traps in her house um to because she can turn off the lights it's really clever so she turns off all the lights in her house she smashes all the lights and she puts traps all in her house so when the criminals come in they fall over themselves and they hurt themselves um and then they're clever because then they use the light from the fridge to light up the apartment um oh it's just so many cool things in this i don't want to spoil um oh you sold it to me yeah does she have fabulous eye makeup (laughs) i mean it's beautiful yeah and she is beautiful in this so this was this was made on a budget of three million dollars uh which i guess was quite a lot in in 67 um but it made about 20 million bucks so this was is a massive hit even though no one talks about it now really but um i thoroughly 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 recommend uh wait until dark it is available on netflix right now um so you can watch it after you hear this um and it is a real underrated classic and i really enjoy this and if the bfi ever do this um on 35 mil on screen we need to go because it's yeah it's great um so that was my second pick for to watch Mm -hmm. netflix what's yours okay so my second pick is not exactly horror but it is really dark and surreal it's called the lobster love lobster (laughs) i gave this my first watch yesterday um recommendation from greg knox the host of the mink configuration shout out to greg (laughs) yeah and um he was not wrong i did love it so it's 2015 movie um by director yagos yes that's the one it's a surreal deadpan comedy drama with colin farrell in it (laughs) yeah um it's basically a dystopian film about single people and um when people become single they get arrested and transferred into like a creepy hotel Um, yeah this is amazing plot i couldn't believe i just couldn't believe the plot when i um started to watch this it's they go to the hotel for 45 days and they have this time to find a mate in the hotel and if they fail they get transformed into an animal of their choosing and released into the local woods it's just absolutely bizarre but utterly genius as well so um such a great like setup like i mean the fact that because he made dog tooth before this and 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 i think because that did really well critically acclaimed won a bunch of awards they just went to him yeah just just do what you want it's fine (laughs) so the lead character in it david it's just about him and his search and how he feels about it it is yeah (laughs) so good isn't it and he's in room 101 which i thought was interesting um yeah and i did assign you the task of choosing your animal should you be in this film have you thought about that well well the the post-pop logo was a wolf so i thought i'd be a wolf but actually it's a wolf half wolf half zebra type things called a wolf bra which is like a not a real animal so maybe i'd be a wolf bra <laughs> half zebra half wolf just so i can be a living embodiment of my logo <laughs> um, and just promote my podcast and label uh what would you be well david the lead character obviously chooses lobster which yeah. some people think is a bad choice because they think he's going to be cooked and eaten terrible choice i think it's a pretty bad choice <laughs> isn't it um i've i've picked my namesake animal which is the greater rhea what is that <laughs> it's actually a flightless ostrich like bird oh. uh, with long legs just like me yeah. <laughs> um i did i did and can a, you fly 
I can't fly, which is a bit of a disadvantage, but I can run at 40 miles per hour and I only have two natural predators, which are cougars and jaguars. So I'm I'm pretty well set. You must hate cougars. (laughs) Um, (laughs) So what happens in the film then? It's very dramatic. (laughs) (laughs) It's so surreal. Um, They kind of have these escapees from from the prison hotel. Yeah where so if they choose a mate then they get moved to another part of the hotel which is like couples area and the rules of being in a couple is that they have to have one thing in common so they have to find this one thing so with some people it's like some kind of uh, like a limp um two people have a lot of nosebleeds so they end up getting together it's absolutely surreal and um one of the best parts of the film um is uh, (laughs) they they banned masturbation like it's completely forbidden i presume so that they will like hook up with people and and become couples um but there's one guy that's obviously um strayed away from those rules and for for some reason they know about this i'm sure there's like cameras and stuff (laughs) going on yeah um so they do put his hand in a toaster so you're gonna need to watch this film if only for that scene (laughs) but it's just absolutely bizarre it's awkward it's dark there's a monologue running throughout which is both awkward and genius at the same time they also have um, a lot of scenes where they set up these awkward like it's like a school disco yeah. to try and get couples to get great. together yeah, it's so awkward it's fantastic and it, there's like a silent disco thing as well and they try to get people together and um if they don't um, manage to meet somebody then they end up going to this transformation room where they become the animal that they've chosen um but obviously like if they do they they become couples in the couples section of the hotel and then they're told that if they argue or there's any friction they get assigned children (laughs) (laughs) and that's what they do to like satisfy them from therein so it's completely bizarre but it's so interesting and um some of them kind of escape as you would imagine they rebel against this system it's like the forest that's kind of yeah and they're they're called loners and then they have the people who are like not rebelling they go out there and hunt them and if they shoot them with tranquilizer guns and bring them back Mm -hmm. then they get their stay extended yeah so they have regular excursions out to the woods on this coach. So it's so good. Like, it's, it's so like, elaborate. Well, one, one thing I, I, I kind of didn't get is, if you know, like, your 45 days are nearly over, and someone else's 45 days are nearly over, why wouldn't you just, like, say to them, look, we're going to both be turned into hmm. flipping wildebeests. Why, <laughs> why, why don't we just get together? Well, that's the thing. Is like, I think they all kind of know that and some people do do it and they get found out like i think they're able to kind of investigate if they really are couples and they ask them what they've got in common and it seems like they're not really they can't really lie about it they can just say i'll be both like cheese like (laughs) you know can you really build a relationship on cheese i don't know the answer to that is yes a (laughs) hundred percent okay all right did you not see how much halloumi i ate today whole plate of halloumi it was lovely um yeah so what happens um so the lead character he the whole film was like kind of like from his point of view mm-hmm. and who's who's the female kind of person that plays opposite him as well she's like mega famous right oh uh, i can't remember her name I didn't but yeah this down there's some really i really love the guy whose hand gets 
put in the toaster and I can't remember his name. Oh, Rachel now. Wise is, is... Ah, yeah. Yeah. So, but like, I don't know, is, is it too difficult for her to be in love with Colin Farrell and vice versa? I mean, they're both like good looking people. It shouldn't really be that hard for them to kind of get together. It's just such an awkward like film and it's just so <laughs> incredibly dark and like everybody in it like the it seems like some people could be couples but they don't let them be couples because yeah. of these rules so that's why it's just sort of this surreal world but it's completely relevant as well to like today's modern world of dating and you know tinder and all that kind of stuff yeah so this i do feel the this is how it's going to end up just with everyone forced <laughs> to a hotel and if you don't find someone you get turned into to a giraffe or something yeah probably <laughs> i mean it's probably already started we just don't know apparently these um transformed humans who failed to find a mate are in zoos according to this yeah. film or maybe so. i'll be turned into a vulture or an eagle because <laughs> then i could be in this in the sequel to another <laughs> film that i'm going to talk about in just a second <laughs> yeah so the lobster is on netflix at the moment and it's one of those films that i've been meaning to watch for quite some time yeah and for horror or non-horror fans alike, I would highly recommend this, especially if you like um, dark humour and you have a dry sense of humour, this film is for you. It's completely different to anything I've ever watched before. Yeah, it's, it's, it's one of those films where you have to kind of like pick and choose the people you recommend it to, because some people will just be like, why did you tell me to watch this film? Now I'm questioning my whole life. Uh, and some people are just like, this is the best recommendation ever. Um, and those are the people you should like keep near and dear to you because they're the best type of people. Um, the director's got a film called the killing of a sacred deer. That's kind of out soon, which is also starring Colin Farrell um, and Nicole Kidman. So he's like stepping it up a little bit with the um, with the cast, um, and just to give you um, an idea of of what it's about, this the only kind of plot detail that's come out is it's about a surgeon that forms a familial bond with a sinister teenage boy with disastrous results. I'm looking forward to that film, The Killing of a Sacred Deer. I'll definitely uh, watch anything else by this director. <laughs> yeah, you've seen Dog Teeth, though, right? Yeah, oh, that's dark. just dark as hell. So yeah. dark. Love it. Absolutely love it. Uh, well, thanks very much, Ray, for your second choice of what to watch on mm. Netflix. My final choice of what to watch on Netflix is something that is probably as close to my heart as you could possibly get, because it's part of the Birdemic franchise, which I am also part of, because I <laughs> co-produced Birdemic 2. I'm going to be talking about the riff track version of Birdemic Shock and Terror, which is the first Birdemic film. Uh, but it's not the film itself, it's the riff track version. And if you don't want to know what riff tracks is, it's a bunch of comedians, they kind of get together and do a narrative, a, a funny comedic narrative over the top of films, over the top of the soundtrack, um, pointing out all the weird and, and wonderful things that happen in it, just generally taking the piss. Um, but to be honest, it's really the only way you can watch Birdemic and get through it without falling asleep because the first Birdemic is slow as heck. Um, <laughs> and myself and Rhea just watched the Riff Tracks version of Birdemic Shock and Terror and it is much, much better than watching the film dry. <laughs> yeah, I agree. That's my first Riff Tracks experience, but I'm <laughs> sold. Those guys are funny. They are really funny. And again, I like them. a little bit of backstory for Riff Tracks. They were originally the guys who kind of were involved with and presented uh, Mystery Science Theatre 3000, which I watched <laughs> as a kid um, on some on weird cable channels. Um, and they basically do the same thing. 
um, and just riff on bad films, basically. Um, <laughs> so, um, what? Let me give you a brief background on what Birdemic is in order to tell you about this. So, Birdemic is directed by James Wynn, um, a Vietnamese guy. Um, and the background to, for James is he's really obsessed with Hitchcock, he thinks he is Hitchcock. Um, and due to me working on Birdemic 2, organizing all the European screenings and stuff, um, uh, we flew them over. So we flew the cast over and James, and it was so weird. So, so James and Alan, who's the, the lead character who plays Rod in Birdemic, they were fighting. They, they had a fight on the plane, so they wouldn't speak to each other. And it was so <laughs> awkward. I've got a really good picture of like Rod looking one, not, well, Alan looking one way and James looking the other way because they just hated even looking at each other. And, we, and I had to spend like the next like five days with them or something. So, oh, Christ. Um, so, uh, yeah. And then I took James to where, um, like Hitchcock was born and, and blah, blah, blah. And he was, was he absolutely made up with that? Yeah. He loved it. He really loved it. Um, Cute. Yeah, just, just got drunk with him a bun- bunch Living of times. Living his dreams. Really is. Uh, yeah. And so anyway, so he, he, he wrote this film, which is kind of like a, it's meant to be well it's hard to describe birdemic i think anyone would find it hard to describe it but it's basically about a couple who awkwardly meet um a couple called rod and natalie played by alan barg and uh winnie moore and it's about their them going on a series of dates and unfortunately a birdemic happens and what a birdemic is is it's an so att- unfortunate yeah shock an, and terror exactly it's shock and terror because there's eagles and vultures um who are hovering above this half moon bay which is like near san francisco i think or in san francisco and dive bombing and exploding onto people they've got kind of um acid they spit acid they are generally trying to kill everybody um so this movie is about climate change that's kind of what it's it's about and <laughs> You're what, making this sound a lot better than it is <laughs> yeah i really am but it's yeah it's about what happens if we humanity doesn't we if we don't pay attention to climate change the birdemic will happen for real such a moralistic film yeah, it really is <laughs> but i mean the film is absolutely terrible but it's such a fun watch and that's why as soon as i watched it i was like okay i need to get involved with this somehow so I um, emailed James uh, Wynn and, and Alan at the same time. I was like, okay, let's make Birdemic 2. So we did. <laughs> with a, with <laughs> As a, you do. With a, with a budget 10 times higher than what Birdemic was made for. Um, but um, you, can see, you can see the differences between Birdemic 1 and Birdemic 2. Birdemic 1 is very kind of dry, not in the slightest but tongue-in-cheek, because James thought he was making the greatest movie of all time. Uh, Birdemic 2... <laughs> everyone was in on the joke besides james so so you could still get some of that kind of like naive elements to it but back to riff tracks so how this riff tracks um started um was with a short film so so in in the if you watch this riff tracks birdemic it starts with the three guys the comedians walking onto stage and saying before birdemic we're going to show you this weird short film which they riffed over what was it called norm checks in or something norman checks in I norman think. checks in yeah, yeah. And it's, about, it's this... about a guy checking in yeah to a hotel and he was <laughs> some part of some some 
um, conference um, and it's about him having a, a, a sleepless night. It was very strange. Um, but didn't, they didn't quite get that, but I think that was there it. just them warming up with yeah. some random material. Yeah, maybe they didn't want to go straight into the excitement, what, which is Birdemic. <laughs> so after that was over, and it was quite funny to be honest, then we get we get into Birdemic, and it, and basically the Rift Tracks version is them making joke after joke about every little nuance of Birdemic, the fact that. Uh, Alan, Alan's walk isn't quite human. It's that's not how a human would walk. Um, <laughs> Riffing a lot about parking. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of. If you've seen Birdemic, you know there's a lot of driving and parking, which takes up about half the movie just driving. Whereas other films, they would say, "Oh, we're going to go to this place," and then they then they appear in that place. With this, you get the whole journey. Mm-hmm. Um, the sound is all off, and obviously you've probably seen the special effects if you know anything about film. The Birdemic special effects are beyond bad, terrible, which we replicated for Birdemic 2, <laughs> which are probably even worse, to be honest. Um, and uh, yeah, you just get a series of awkward dates, and you get um, a five-minute dance scene uh, where you see uh, the singer, who's called Damien Carter, singing the catchy song, Hanging Out With My Family, uh, which the Rift Track guys... <laughs> have fun with and like just as an aside i once had to um call uh damien carter about birdemic 2 because he comes back for birdemic 2 and like we're just having a conversation with him and i was like oh what are you doing and he was like oh just hanging out and he literally said that and i was like oh are you hanging out with your family and he's like yeah he just and he didn't get what i was referring to <laughs> amazing i know um, that guy oh he's great um <laughs> Uh, but it's like a fan favourite I mean most of these people who were in Birdemic came back for Birdemic 2 Eat the Tree Hugger did um, the, the, did he wear his wig <laughs> yeah he did yeah he did and he had a family in Birdemic 2 um, and then you've got um, the uh, scientist on the bridge he comes back and there's more characters um, actually in Birdemic 2 there's about 500% more Playboy models in it because of the executive producer he was kind of involved with Playboy so he just got loads of like, Playboy models in it for most scenes anyway um yeah so if you've seen even if you've seen birdemic i'd recommend watching the riff tracks version because um it will make you see things that you kind of haven't seen before because like i mean obviously i've seen it about a hundred times um this they've pointed out things i never really noticed and they make fun of things that you wouldn't even think was funny um definitely one that makes you laugh out loud yeah i was cracking up through most of this um <laughs> But yeah, so I just thoroughly recommend you uh, watching the Riff Tracks version of Birdemic because the original version is very hard to kind of swallow. Um, but yeah, shout out to Alan and Whitney. Um, if you listen to this, I'm sure you will if you see the word Birdemic in the, in the title on, on Twitter or something. Um, but yeah, Ria, what did you think of it? You watched it with me. Yeah, I thought it was fun. Um, I actually preferred to just watching preferred that to just watching the movie. Yeah, I like the narration; it did really bring something to it. And they're very quick witted, so they are. I'm sure it's scripted, but yeah, it's still pretty quick. Um, so uh, the Rift Tracks version of Birdemic: Shock and Terror is on Amazon. If you want to watch Birdemic itself, um, it's on YouTube. I'm sure it's on. It used to be on Netflix, but I don't think it's there anymore. So watch it on YouTube, where you'll also find Birdemic Two if you want to watch it. Even though I won't get any money for that, um, so yeah, so maybe actually buy the Blu-ray um, from a European store and then I'll get some money. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> subtle plug there, Jed. Yeah. <laughs> uh, oh, and, and if you guys are wondering what's happening with Birdemic Three, so I was in, I've got a contract that says like I'm I, I'm allowed to write it right. So I came up with all these ideas, 
um, and James, the director, he just went cold on me. He just he just <laughs> he just stopped responding to emails. Very very strange. Um, and uh, it was originally going to be called Birdemic Three Sea Eagles. And when he first said that, I, I was like, "Do you mean seagulls, um, James?" No, no, sea eagles. Okay, okay. anyone sea eagles can pre- predict climate change. Okay, so that's what the third one's about. Um, <laughs> Perfect. Yeah, that's exactly what I expected from him. To exactly. Be um, but after, I think after Birdemic Two, uh, no one really wants to see the third one. But I'm, I'm hoping there was either going to be a remake or we get to make the sequel. <laughs> anyway, um, yeah. So that's Birdemic Rift Tracks version. What's your final choice of what to watch on Netflix, Ria? Well, I've picked something again in the horror genre, but a little bit lighter. I've picked a comedy horror called Zombievers. See, I haven't seen this, but like I know I should really, because yeah. it sounds stupid. Uh, it is. It's stupid. It's fun. It's an interesting variation on the zombie genre. Um, it's directed by Jordan Rubin, who hasn't done anything that notable before. But yeah. I think this is, personally, I think this is a very fun movie. Okay. What happens? So in this film, it's essentially some toxic waste goes into the river. Like a classic horror trope. I love that. Yeah, <laughs> you can guess where this is going. Yeah, yeah. The river's uh, full of beavers. <laughs> <laughs> and then there's another part of this film where three girls go away to a cabin near said river of beavers. Okay, so this Cabin is a real cheesy in the woods. cliched horror trope so far. Yeah, they go for a girly weekend where they've got like very little signal, so they can't contact nice. many people. Nice. But and are they wearing very little clothes as well? Yeah, it's okay. a fantastic right. excuse for lots of bikinis. <laughs> um, and then three guys who they're kind of involved with sort of follow them to the cabin. So then there are six of them yeah. and they try telling them, oh, I know it's supposed to be a girls weekend. You shouldn't have, uh, you shouldn't have come. But then they quickly talk them all into bed. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So more <laughs> obvious horror tropes here, yeah. lots of uh, sex and nudity. And then the beavers start to become zombified and come up through the, the toilet system, <laughs> which is very interesting. <laughs> and it just goes from there. I mean... You can kind of imagine what kind of es- like escapades happen when, when you've got like zombie beavers running around your house. Yeah, and the best thing about it is that they're like zombie beaver puppets and they look... <laughs> awesome like that's what sold it to me is that i just really thought that the zombievers looked fantastic it sounds like a trauma film it sounds like <laughs> like a poultry guys type thing with beavers a little but a little more teen american horror film yeah um but i mean it's self-aware in that sense it knows that it's silly it's not trying to be anything serious um it is a lot of fun i love the title they have they have a lot of silly sort of puns and lines in it that again are like not too cheesy but like self-aware you know they they know that they're just kind of poking fun at themselves like they talk about beaver fever (laughs) and there's one really crappy line in it where it's like uh, one of the girls go, goes, oh, they sound like babies because these beavers are like making this weird crying noise. Yeah. And then the other guy's like, yeah, crazy effing babies. <laughs> and it just makes no sense whatsoever. Oh, and it gets to the... what you want in the horror film, just yeah. like nonsensical dialogue and just 
puppets flying at you. Yeah, it's and there's, you know, some gore, semi-realistic, but not realistic enough that you're going to, like, you know, take it too seriously. It is still fun. Um, <laughs> Did they make a joke about wood at all? Yeah, no, yeah. That's, that's what I expect. And they, surprise, surprise, they're in a wooden cabin. So they yeah. try to block out the beavers from coming in with more wood oh, on so the windows. Does anyone say damn? And then there's a damn. Not really, Mr. but Mr. Trick. you should have helped Zombie write Mr. this. Yeah. <laughs> You're right there with all of these. I didn't, to be honest. <laughs> Eventually they get bitten and you can anticipate some human transformation into Zombiever with oh, huge book teeth. Amazing. Kind of a spoiler, but okay, you need cool. to see it with your own eyes. Yeah. For me, this kind of film is an easy watch. Like just, popcorn. you know, yeah, popcorn, relaxing, just few few giggles um but it's actually pretty cool i wasn't expecting it to be that great when i watched it i yeah. kind of thought it was going to be maybe as terrible as birdemic what do you mean terrible let me show you <laughs> <laughs> birdemic 2 is great um, by the way if anyone wants to watch it it's got it's got zombies <laughs> in it as well uh if you want to watch some beavers if you like uh excuses for boobs and um crazy beaver zombies then <laughs> you should watch this film i'm surprised you've not seen this it's on netflix, underrated right? it's, on, netflix, it's on amazon it's oh, not amazon. on netflix okay. i thought it was i thought it was on netflix hence i chose this one and then realized it's on, it's on amazon okay you can watch it on well there. that's good because I, I, I watch both um <laughs> well yeah that's it so watch some beavers if you want a kind of a, a fun good non-serious time Mm-hmm. which is what most of us want um well thanks that's that's really it that's how what the podcast is there's six amazing recommendations so just just to round it off again what did i choose <laughs> i chose i chose rift tracks birdemic shock and terror i chose lady Macbeth. i chose wait until dark um and i and- picked zombievers the lobster and bone tomahawk I think that's six great choices for you. If you have enjoyed those choices, let me know. You can find me on Twitter at Jed Shepherd, J-E-D-S-H-E-P-H-E-R-D. Ria, where can people find you? I am on Twitter and Instagram at Ria underscore Fend, F-E-N-D. And I also have my public modeling page on Facebook, which is Ria Fend. That's right. If you want to see what Ria looks like. Yeah, don't forget to check out the podcast, the Lament Configuration podcast. We're also on um facebook under that name and on twitter as at lament horror yeah and i'll just be listening to the latest uh, episode of uh lament configuration podcast and it's great um you do last house on the left and mm-hmm. house at the edge of the park is that what's called yeah and um according to greg our last episode which was all uh, fright fest reviews for this year is yes. doing it exceptionally well and yeah. it's currently like going off on youtube that's good big time so yeah we saw a cult of chucky together at fright fest mm-hmm. which um, i reviewed for the show and um, it's had like a few thousand views on youtube already the review nice. so that's cool Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so that just leaves me to say thank you very much, everyone, for listening. Um, if you did like it, leave uh, me a five-star review um, on iTunes. No pressure. Um, <laughs> and if you didn't like it, then let me know why on Twitter. And we can have an argument, and I'm happy with that. Um, so <laughs> thanks very much. I'll see you guys next week. Thanks very much for being here, Ria. Thanks for having me on the show. No worries. So see you guys later. Bye.